You've been hearing about uh, the new sermon series, and I want to emphasize that. I need words. If you're like I am, a lot of times you feel like you're saying the same prayers over and over, and maybe you're boring God, and uh, sometimes we forget that we have prayer aids in the scripture. There are a lot of prayers in the scripture, but the Psalms are wonderful, especially of times when we're a little upset because this, the psalmist writes just from their gut feelings, and then after they express their feelings, they begin to praise God. And I think as we follow in their footsteps and use those words that they say for us, that express the feelings sometimes we don't have words for. We really can grow in reading and praying those psalms because they really are prayers. So this morning we begin that new sermon series with Psalm 121, which is a great prayer. And I will talk a little bit about it. Uh, Recently I was in Arizona visiting my daughter Jermaine, and as many of you know, Arizona has a beautiful skyline. It's wide open. It seems like the sky is closer to you, and you can just see it all around, and and it's beautiful. And um, Jameen's house, my daughter's house, has a flat roof. And on the top, uh, she has a patio where they often go up to eat. But when I go out, I like to go up and watch the sunsets and the sun rises there because it's so beautiful and you can see them so clearly. So I was here recently and I went up those winding metal stairs to the top of the roof uh, just about the time the sun was going down on the edge of the earth so that I could watch the sunset. When I got up there, I looked back like to the east and it was beginning to get dark And there was a little rain. It looked like rain far off in the distance. And I looked at that wonder of that. And then I looked to the right, and she lives in the desert. And there was the desert, and there were like uh, little bushes that were like orange mops scattered around the desert. And then the great saguaro cactus against the skyline. And it was very moving. I looked to the left. And there was the city lights of Phoenix there. And they were all beautiful and moving. But then I looked to the west, and there were mountains there with a little bit of snow. It looked like snow on the top. And the sun was beginning to go down behind those mountains. And as happens sometimes, the colors were so beautiful and so brilliant that I felt like it was a worship experience of the creator of those beautiful mountains and those be- that beautiful skyline with those colors. And I thought, what a wonderful call to prayer. And I thought of Psalm 121, which is one of my favorite psalms anyway. And uh, listen as I read the words of this psalm. And Listen especially for the word keep, keeps. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you 
will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep you going out and your coming in from this time and forevermore. It's a beautiful psalm. And I'll, I'll begin with the context of this psalm. This, uh, this is the second psalm in a group of psalms called the Psalms of Ascents. If you look in the Bible over each song, it says, A Psalm of Ascents. And it, these psalms go, of ascents go from 120 to 134 in the psalms. And they are called this because they are the prayers and the songs that the Israelites would sing when they were on their traveled upward on their journey to Jerusalem from Jericho three times a year for the Jewish celebrations. If you remember, Jesus and his disciples went along that road, and this road was from Jericho to Jerusalem was quite a very hard, a very difficult trip. It was one half mile straight up and uh, extremely treacherous and dangerous and not a road that you wanted to go on, but it was the road from Jericho to Jerusalem. And the city of Jericho is 257 miles, I mean, feet below sea level, 257 feet below sea level, and Jerusalem is 2,500 feet above sea level. So you can see it was really straight up. And you, if you've climbed a mountain, you know how hard that is. But it was not only a hard physical journey, it was not a safe place because bandits and robbers would hide out in the bush and in the, behind the rocks and the hills and would attack and uh, rob and sometimes kill you. And uh, this, was this was the road that the story of the Good Samaritan uh, was talking about because he had been on that road the, the victim and had been attacked there. So they're tra making this journey. It was a very dangerous trip, and uh, the terrain was really hard, and the weather was bad. The, there were robbers, bandits all over, what hide, uh, and everyone knew it, but they still would do it. And not only were there outer dangers from, the, from that, but from the terrain and the bandits, but there were, there, it was hard. People would be fatigued, get sick, despair, wonder if they could make it. And as well as all these present dangers around them, and their fear, they had anticipatory fears. They wondered, what's going to happen next? Uh, what's going to happen? What, what we can't see? We're worry and anxiety. And you know, we know about that, right? A lot of us uh, worry about have a lot of worry and anxiety in our lives about the things we might happen, not that's just happening. There are things happening in our lives, but there are things that might happen, and we worry about it. And we anticipate maybe what's going to be the next disaster of nature, the next horrible snowstorm, ice storm, what disease is going to happen, what, what's, what's going to happen here and there, and what could happen. And, 
And you know, Satan loves when we start down that road. He jumps on there and he really inflames us and, and uh, he knows our human tendencies and he knows where to attack and consume us with fear of the unknown and the negative. And he exploits and torments us with our imagination and we feel vulnerable. And the Israelites were just like we are. They had the same human nature. And so they would sing prayers. Uh, that's what these Psalms of Ascents, these were prayers that they would sing uh, to counter all these fears on their way to the journey. And I think that as we read them and perhaps sing them and pray them, it will help us on our journeys. And that, because as Christ's followers, we walk a difficult road too we walk a difficult, maybe more difficult than the road that they walk because our road to heaven, to the new Jerusalem, is longer than the dozens of miles they walked. And our journey is no less treacherous. And we carry God's promises with us, but we often fall into the feeling of uncertainty and temptations hides and strikes us and besetting sin, the sin that keeps coming at us, lingers and disaster and crisis come announced. So have I convinced you? You have a deep need, and so do I, for God's keeping power. And this is where Psalm 121 comes in. And it's a great prayer, a great song for rough and uncertain roads when God's people felt their need for keeping along the road. They cried this out, and they cried out prayers of hope into the uncertainty. And, and they drowned their fears with song and verse and chorus, and they sang prayers, which gave them peace and joy, and will give us peace and joy when we're feeling the same kinds of feelings that they felt. Did you ever sing when you were afraid? Well, you know, it works, or at least it works for one, some people. I remember when I was in Africa, my daughter and I were in Africa, and we were going from one village to the other, and the only way we were going to get there was through a plane. And it was a little a plane sitting out there on the runway, an old plane. And this young man came up, a very young, nice-looking, friendly guy, and introduced himself. I'm going to be your pilot. I'll take you. And, and uh, we said, well, how'd you get to Africa? Uh, striking a, a conversation with him. And then he said, well, I'm really Canadian. And I tried very hard to pass the, the exams for a pilot. <laughs> yeah, you got it. <laughs> you got it. So I came to Africa because their exams were easier. And then it got worse, if you can believe it. He got in the engine, he was holding, he said, what's this green cord to? Is this red one, is this the battery? Is this the engine? We had no idea. So I sat there frozen. <laughs> and my daughter started singing, and he started the plane. He got it started, and we took off. And she started singing even louder than the loud engine songs of praise, and I joined her. <laughs> and you know, it calmed us both down, and obviously we got there. 
You know, the, the phrase, he keeps you, is stated six times in this short psalm. You can see how short it is. Six times. And it's translated from the Hebrew, soldier, watcher, protector. It's all of the aboves. And when something is stated that many times, six times in, in short, verse eight verses, God wants us to pay attention. It's really important. It's really the message of the whole song. Because as I said, the lonely and long road to heaven is filled with dangers and we need to be kept. We can't keep ourselves. We all know that. That's why we're here today. And this psalm addresses our needs to be kept. And it addresses more than that, God's keeping power for all of us. You can sense the uncertainty in this opening line. I lift my eyes to the hill. Where does my help come from? And we've all wondered that. Where can I get help? in certain situations. If I ask you that this morning, where do you turn for help? We've all been through some rough terrain and frightening situations these past months. Uh, where do you turn for help when you feel the, the loss of the freedom? We've all lost the freedom that we once had. Many have lost finances or jobs or had illness or family issues that from being too close and locked up together too long, from just being isolated from our friends, where do you turn for help? You know, and even the frightening situation, the problems of our country and the world, we were talking about it before the service this morning, That's, it's enough to upset anybody. You watch the news, it's all bad. And even in our own country in this last year, you, you might have suffered some of it, but some of us did. We have different political views, and sometimes there was even tension if you were talking to someone with a different political view. And so there were lots of things that where we needed to turn for help, and sometimes we couldn't turn to our family and friends at that time, or we could, they couldn't give us the hope and the comfort we needed. And this psalm addresses very clearly over and over, where does my help come from? It comes from the one who made heaven and earth. Wow, the one who made heaven and earth. And so as the travelers traveled, they remembered it was the Lord who made heaven and earth. And beyond that threat of what could happen to me now, my anticipatory fears and anxieties and worries and what's going on in my life right now, to look to the one who made heaven and earth, to see the God who created everything. And if the hills around you suddenly look terrifying, remember who made those hills. It's a metaphor for the circumstances but God built each hill to the precise height down to the tiniest fraction of an inch. He shaped every curve and cliff in this world. He created every bush and flower. He put every rock in its place. He counted the blades of glass, the hairs on your head, 
Your God knows everything. Your God that you're here to worship knows everything, and he governs everything, and he's there. In every situation we're in, it's known to him, and he has the keeping power. And this psalm tells us the only place there's true and lasting hope. You know, God's word isn't a textbook only. It's a good read, but it's a promise book. It's full of promises. And God's not a liar. He cannot lie. He's God. And so our help in any situation comes from the one who created the hills, the mountains, the entire universe. And we, also the one who is everlasting, who calls us to pray and hears every word and understands every feeling because Jesus was fully human. There's no temptation you face that he did not face. There's no feeling of despair, doubt, joy, you name it, the whole spectrum. He felt that. He understands you. He was fully human. You know, but as we go through these things and other things, we often wonder, what, what's this about? God, why are you allowing this? What's happening? Uh, why is a very big question that gets asked over and over, and we see it asked in the Bible, too. Especially we see, think about Job. I mean, we haven't had it as bad as Job had it. And his friends questioned, and he questioned, and he asked God a lot of questions. They asked question after question. He asked God. God didn't answer his questions. I don't think he answers our questions or why. But what he did was something greater than answering Job's questions of why and what was happening. He instead pointed to his great power, to who he was. Um, and he said to Job, think about your power and think about my power. Can you send the lightning in the sky? Can you number the clouds, Job? Can you satisfy the appetite of the young lions? Can you create the dew? Whose womb did you come from? How did you get here? Where does the ice come from? In summary, do you know, verse after verse, chapter after chapter, chapter, he said, do you know, have you forgotten the wondrous works, the power of the one whose knowledge is perfect? God shouts the answer. Look at who I am. Where does your help come from? The maker of the universe, the one all-knowing, powerful God who loves you, who gave his son for you, is there for you and he will be your keeper if you let him. He wants us to know that. And what can we really expect him to keep us from? Obviously, he doesn't keep us from a lot of things. And we read the Bible, he didn't keep his people from a lot of things. But he will keep us from anything that might ultimately harm us. You know, people on that road, on that Jericho road, they got 
I'm sure they broke their legs, scraped their, got sick, got, died, some of them got hurt, maybe the bandits got them. So God doesn't keep us from the things that happen in this world, but he said he will keep us from all harm. What did he mean? But I think as we follow in the footsteps of Christ, we will suffer some harm. But if you're God's, if you belong to him through Jesus Christ, nothing can ultimately really harm you because the word again says in, the, in Romans 8, neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present, things to come, or anything else, nothing in all creation can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. God loves us. We're in Christ. Nothingly can ultimately really, really harm us. This is God's promise, and God wants us to know that, but we have an enemy of our soul that wants us to doubt that. Uh, and it says there, over nothing can harm you, and no moon by night, no sun by day. What's he talking about there? Well, I think Isaiah says it really beautifully in 54, 17. No weapon that is fashioned against you shall succeed. Every step of your life, if you've given your life to Christ, you will be kept because God doesn't sleep. The psalm says that. He doesn't sleep. He's there for you every minute of every day. And we do have an opponent to our faith, and he's really at work to make us doubt that, and he's good at it. He's had a lot of experience at it. Remember, he started with Adam. Think about Adam in the Garden of Eden. Adam's job was to be a keeper. Isn't that interesting? The psalm talks about God being our keeper. Well, Adam was a keeper of that garden, but we know what happened. He didn't keep the garden. He couldn't even keep himself. And you know what? He failed miserably. And you know, we, fo we followed too. We followed and failed too. And, he, and Adam became broken. And, the, and nature was broken. The garden was broken. The garden was impacted. And it was described in Romans 8.22, which is interesting. It says, we know the whole creation, the garden, all of nature, all of us, we're part of his creation. But we ourselves, who have been the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly while we wait for the adoption, the redemption of our bodies. We groan, we long, nature longs, nature groans for the redemption of our bodies, and it's coming. And Christ is going to keep us until that day when he returns. Adam failed, we failed, nature was affected, we're affected, we're all groaning and struggling, and life is full of troubles and nature is struggling. But you know, he sent what the apostle calls the second Adam, Jesus. Jesus came, he didn't fail. He didn't give in to the temptations of Satan, but Satan threw everything he could at him. And we can read that in the scripture, but he perfectly 
resisted all of. And you know, he's the one who climbed that hill of Calvary, went up and, and really fell at the hands of his enemies, striking him to death. He's the one who died. He defeated death so we could have life. He gave us another chance. He created us in our mother's womb, and he bought us, we left, we left him. But he bought us back with the blood of his son, and he went to death so we wouldn't have to. That was Jesus, our keeper. He's our warrior, and he's our keeper. And his promises is that he'll keep us until he comes again and sets the world straight and redeems us totally, and our sister nature will be redeemed as well. Great promises, great hope. Where would we be without that? So like the Israelites, we on a journey, and we travel the same ground that everyone else walks. The rain falls on the just and the unjust, we aren't treated differently outwardly as we walk this earth as everyone else walks. We have the same breath, the same air. We shop in the same stores. We drink the same water. We pay the same prices for gas and groceries. And we suffer the same troubles as every human being on this earth. The difference, there's a huge difference Jesus is our keeper, and he will keep us, and he lives in us, and he helps us through it, and he will provide what we need to be kept until he returns or we go to be with him. So like the Israelites on their journey, when you encounter these frightening times, and we all do, pray and sing this song. I will lift up my eyes unto the hills, there's my keeper. That's where my help comes from. My relatives want to help. My friends want to help. But the only real ultimate hope is from the Lord, the powerful reigning Jesus Christ. And you know, that's where help comes from. And the promise is in the last verse of 121. The Lord will keep you're going out and you're coming in from this time and forevermore. Ooh, not for a little while. He guards and protects us. And this psalm ends with that verse. He will keep us from this day, tomorrow, and forever. Forevermore and amen. That is Jesus Christ, our keeper. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you know we're human. We're very human, and we struggle with our brokenness, and we struggle with our faith, but you don't. You're there. You keep us. You remind us. You call us. You pursue us. And God, may when we begin to think, I need help, we reaffirm and know that is a prayer that you hear and you promise to hear forever. Amen. Uh, Jeff always gives you homework. I'm not sure I'm going to give you simple homework. <laughs>
I ask you each day to read Psalm 121 and think about it and in the sense of God is your keeper. And think about the things you're going to face that day, or you think you are, the things you don't know you're going to face. And ask him to show you how he's your keeper. He loves to show his hand and how much he loves you and how he wants to help you. And then at the end of the day, stop and praise him for all the ways he kept you and the way he will keep you.